Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are continuing to explore the question, how well do I know the unique person who lives inside my body? We have looked at experiences and what they mean as we figure out who we are. And last week, we looked at emotions as a part of our puzzle and mosaic. We had just begun to look at the topic of desires when we ran out of time. Being aware of our desires is the first step to being able to judge whether they are good or bad, loving or selfish. Remember, it is not sinful to have an evil or selfish desire. It is sinful to feed that desire and to act upon it. Some Christians feel guilty when an evil desire crosses their mind. They reason that if they were really good Christians, they would not have such desires. The fact is, we are all sinners by nature, and sinful thoughts are a part of our fallen nature. The good news is that with the help of God's Spirit, we need not follow these evil desires. Dr. Chapman suggests the following prayer when you have an evil desire. Lord, you know what I am thinking now, but I thank you that with your power I do not have to follow that desire. Now guide me as I do something constructive with my life. Then move to take some constructive action. Such a prayer does not always remove the evil desire from your mind, but it does channel your energies into positive and constructive activity. You have brought the desire to God and have put it under the Lordship of Christ. As with our feelings, our desires may be in conflict. I want to go with my spouse to the symphony, but I also want to be at the church softball tournament. Desire may also vary in intensity. I may rank my desire to be a millionaire at five on a scale of one to ten, while I rank my desire to spend time with my children at ten. Desires often motivate us to action. This is extremely positive when our desires are wholesome. Becoming aware of our desires and evaluating their value is an important part of self-awareness. One of the ways to foster conscious awareness of our desires is to think of several areas of our life and complete the following sentence. One of the things I desire in this area of life is... You may include the following areas. One of the things I desire in my spiritual life is. One of the things I desire vocationally is. One of the things I desire for my children is. One of the things I desire for my marriage is. The desires were in your heart before you completed those sentences. The exercise simply helped reveal them. My mother used to have a lot of pithy sayings that she would use. I remember her saying, Don't just stand there, do something. That seems to be a part of our humanity. We are creatures of action. In response to our sensory experience and our interpretation of that experience with our feelings and desires, we decide to behave in certain ways. At the moment, our decision seems logical. It all makes sense most of the time. Our behavior is the most observable part of our lives. 
It is that part of us from which others draw their opinions. Jesus said, you'll recognize them by their fruit. On another occasion, Jesus said, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is obvious that Jesus' reference to love implied observable acts that demonstrated inner concern. The actions are observed by others, not the inner concern. Thus, our behavior is extremely important. Normally, when our behavior is positive and appropriate, we feel good about our choices. When our behavior is sinful, we feel ashamed or guilty. And sometimes we become aware of our behavior only when others point it out to us. Becoming aware of your behavior will help you understand your spouse's response to you. It's amazing how often couples in counseling were unaware of their negative speech patterns to each other and how these affected their spouse's response. After we become aware of our behavior patterns, we have the possibility of changing them if we so choose. Dr. Chapman says there is both a spiritual dimension and a human dimension to changing our behavior. The spiritual dimension is what Paul referred to in his own life in Romans 7. I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me. After discussing this spiritual struggle, Paul indicates that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we are set free from the bondage of the sinful nature and are enabled to accomplish the good that we desire. Thus, as Christians, we know that the ultimate power for right living is in yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to control our behavior. But there is a human dimension to our behavior. Behind human behavior is always our sensory experience, our interpretation of that experience, our feelings, and our desires. If we want an understanding of why we do the thing we do, it will be found in becoming more aware of these four aspects of ourselves. In the course of living life daily, most of this is carried on at the subconscious level. That is, we are not consciously aware of what we are feeling, what our desires are, and how we are interpreting our sensory experiences. But when we are willing to give attention to these matters and develop more self-awareness, we will not only understand our behavior better, we are far more likely to end up behaving in a constructive and positive manner. Notice that the five aspects of self-awareness we've discussed, experience, interpretation, emotions, desires, and behavior, are all interrelated. One logically leads to another, but at times we may focus more on one than the other. Often we are more in touch with one aspect of ourselves than we are with another. To be fully aware of who we are at the moment is to be in touch with all five aspects of self-awareness. In Western society, there has been a tendency to exalt emotions and desires at the expense of reason and choice. 
We hear a great deal of talk about being true to oneself. A husband says, I've got to be true to myself. I just don't love her anymore. He uses this as an excuse for leaving his wife. Or a wife says, I must be honest with myself. I hate my husband, and I don't want to live with him anymore. So she splits. Notice carefully that in both of these statements, reference is made to feelings. The husband uses the word love. I don't love her. The wife uses the word hate. Both of these are emotions. In these two statements, the individuals are concluding that their feelings are most important. Therefore, they are basing their behavior on their feelings. Dr. Chapman says this is a common error. In our society, we have tended to exalt our feelings and our desires as being most important. That is, we have concluded that what I feel and what I desire is the real me. This is a serious mistake, and it is not in keeping with what the Bible teaches. In Proverbs we read, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The emphasis here is on thoughts, not feelings. In the New Testament we read, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Note the emphasis in these verses on thinking and behaving. The way we interpret life's experiences and the way we respond to them are far more important than how we feel or what we desire. Remember when Jesus was only hours from the cross? Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. What were the feelings of Jesus? He was sorrowful and troubled, overwhelmed with sorrow. What were his desires? If it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. How does he interpret the situation? Yet not as I will, but as you will. His subsequent behavior was based not on his feelings or on his momentary desire for relief from the cup of pain, but on his interpretation that life is not to be controlled by feelings and desires, but by the will of God. This is an important lesson for us to learn. Well, our time is gone for today. I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net 
and click on the Mum Live tab to view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.